The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God for this Saints Triumphant Sunday is found in Jonah chapter 3. We'll read that on page 9. You're welcome to follow along. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that they will not perish. When God saw what they did, How they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. There's a part of me this morning that wants to pull a Jonah. It's not that, you know, I want to flee from my calling. It's also not the fact that I want to have self-centered prayers and also real shallow repentance. It's not that at all. It's just the fact that I want to pull maybe a preaching Jonah. Not only because his sermon was so easy to memorize, but also because of the astounding effects of this preaching Jonah. I mean, this was the easiest sermon that any prophet or pastor has ever preached, just because of its shortness. I mean, this is all that Jonah had to do. All he had to do was show up. That's it. He could show up sullen, he could show up angry, he could show up with bags under his eyes. All he had to do was show up, pick up a bullhorn, Stand on the corner of Nineveh and say, 40 more days, people. And then you're toast. And then drop the mic. Jonah out. <laughs> I'm done here, folks. Jonah out. Maybe it's just sheer laziness that I'd like to pull up preaching Jonah, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. One reason is because I have no desire to be compared, you know, to those, our favorite preachers in Times Square. You know the people I'm talking about. 
But it's also because I don't really like the methods of Jonah's preaching here. I mean, we should give Jonah a little bit of credit. God said to Jonah, finally in this chapter, God said to Jonah, Jonah, get up. Jonah got up. Check. For the first time in the book, he actually obeyed God. Then God said to Jonah, go, Jonah, to Nineveh. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Check. Second act of obedience in the book of Jonah. But then we're left to wonder. Then we're left to wonder, Jonah, are you going to finally preach? Jonah, are you going to finally open your mouth? The narrator doesn't tell us. Not right away, at least. We have to wait a couple of verses to find that out. And then when Jonah finally does open his mouth, five words come out. In Hebrew, at least. Eight words in English. Forty more days in Nineveh will be overturned. There's no long, drawn-out discussion of Jonah pointing out the sins of the people to at least give them a fighting chance. You know, a fighting chance to do what was right. There's no encouragement. You know, people of God, maybe you should repent and demonstrate your heart's repentance with extreme acts. There's no long-out, drawn-out exposition about the very mercies of God, His compassion, how big His heart is for Nineveh. There's none of that. Just five words. Forty more days, Nineveh. Then you're done. Jonah out. You know... What I think, Jonah shouldn't receive preacher of the year. <laughs> you agree? Actually, Jonah probably shouldn't receive preacher of the chapter. I mean, picture it with me. If this were a Thursday night smackdown of preachers, or if this is like the preacher version of the battle round of the voice, Jonah wouldn't win. He's actually not the best preacher in the chapter. You know who is? It's the Ninevite king. The Ninevite king's the one that says to the people, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And we would say, preach on, preacher king. That sounds like something good to do. And then the Ninevite king goes on and he says, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. In other words, people, show what is already happening in your heart with outward actions. And we would say, preach on, preacher king. And then he goes on to say, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger. And we would say, wow, the preacher king understands the heart of God, his compassion and his love better than Jonah did. We would say, wow, I think that this pagan king was a better gospel, evangelical, law gospel preacher than the Lord's own prophet. And we would probably be right. You know what's so frustrating about this situation? 
This is Jonah's second chance. Right? I mean, he had already tried to run away once. That didn't work. He tried to die even. That didn't work. And now here he is. God's, you know, pushing him up onto that beach like we talked about last week. And he's given him a brand new life. And this is what Jonah does. He goes at his vocation half-heartedly, sullenly, angrily. It's, it's you, know, he, you know what he's like? He is like that person who is one year away from their retirement. He's counting down the days, giving it a half effort until he finally makes it. Or, you know, we could compare him to that person who feels trapped and stuck in their marriage, and they know, you know, it's not right for me to get a divorce. I'm hoping that he'll file, you know, and then I can get out. Give it in a half effort. It's like that student who's faking it until they make it. Going about life without any kind of joy or effort. He's, he's like the Christian who goes to church just because they have to, not because they want to. You know what I'm talking about. Giving it a half effort because you feel trapped in life. Because you're supposed to. That's Jonah here, and that's sad, you know, that's, that's sad, that's frustrating to see what people do with the grace of God. It's sad what Jonah does with the grace of God. And so, you, know, you know what we really need? You know what Jonah need, needed? You know what the Ninevites needed? They needed this sermon, and I'm not talking about my sermon. You know what sermon they needed? They needed Jonah's sermon. Because what Jonah says is this, 40 more Days, Jonah preached. And right there, in just those few words, we can learn a lot about God and a lot about ourselves. You know what we can learn about God? We can learn that God is patient. He's very patient. I mean, the Ninevites, you know what they actually deserved? They deserved to be wiped off the map. I mean, these guys were the Old Testament equivalent of ISIS. Their poetry celebrated bloodshed. If anybody deserved to be bombed off the face of the earth, it was these guys. And you know what God does in His great love? He says, you know what? I'm going to give you, out of my great patience, 40 more days. Tick, tock. And it's amazing what this clock did for the Ninevites. It filled every moment of their lives with urgency. It filled every moment of their lives with purpose. It filled every moment of their lives with moral clarity. And they believed in the God of the ticking You know, we all need this God of the ticking clock. Can you imagine for a second basketball, playing basketball without a ticking clock? Think about that. What would happen to the game of basketball if there were no clock? I think you would see less sportsmanship. You would see teams that don't work together. 
I think some of the players would take a nap for a while because they'd figure, you know, I'll just get up at 2 a.m. and we'll score about 100 points right then. I think the players would be lethargic. I think that you would see teams that, you know, are hardly even trying. That's what happens when you play basketball without a clock. And it's really confusing to me sometimes how people live their lives apart from the God of the ticking clock. It's no wonder that so many people go through their lives lethargic, without purpose, wondering, you know, why don't I have any joy? Why don't I have meaning for every moment of my life? You know what we really need? We need the God of the ticking clock, and we need to start that countdown today. This is actually one of the fundamental truths of the Christian faith, that one day Jesus will come again, and that day is closer than it was even when we started today. We say it every single week, He will come to judge the living and the dead. We're going to say it again today. This is an absolute fundamental Christian truth. You want to live with intensity and focus? You want to live every moment of your life as if it were the last one? You want to go to work and work like never before? Put a clock on it. 40 days, Jonah says. That's all you get. And it works. It's powerful. It fills every moment as if it were pregnant with meaning. It worked for Nineveh. You see what they did? When they put a clock on it, they believed God. And they started that countdown. They fasted. One of the kings sat down in ashes. They even put sackcloth on their dogs and cats. Talk about going overboard, right? I mean, Nineveh really got it. And here's one thing we have to understand. They barely, barely understood the compassion of God. They didn't know if they were going to make it, right? They said, who knows? Maybe God's not going to wipe us off the face of the map, the, the map. Who knows? We could raise our hands and say, we know. Right? We know. We know who God is. We've seen him in Jesus Christ. He would rather punish his own son than punish any of you. He would rather get angry at his own son than get angry at you. We know that not only God might relent, but that he already has. And you see what that does? To the countdown clock, I mean. 
We're not counting down to the day of God's wrathful judgment. We're counting down to the day of our salvation. We're counting down to the time when God will overturn your life, but in a beautiful way. He will overturn your sin. He will overturn your death. He will overturn everything that is wrong with your life and flip it upside down. That is what we are counting down to, to the day of blessedness and victory. And that's one powerful countdown, if you ask me. Put a clock on it. I got to thinking earlier this week, well, what is this? look like? How, how does this impact our living as we count down to the day of victory, to the day of redemption, to the day of salvation? This is what I thought to myself. Instead of pulling a Jonah, going about things half-heartedly, how about this? Pull a Nineveh. What do you think about that? This is what I mean. Instead of extreme acts of repentance and dressing up your dog in sackcloth, do this. Put on the righteousness of Christ. And instead of, like the Ninevite king, getting down in the ashes, stand up and await the day of your redemption. And how about this? If there's anything that's crooked in your life, if there's anything you need to fix before God, we'll do it. Do it. And then call on God urgently, just like the Ninevites, because the countdown is on the countdown to grace. Tick-tock. 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 